0: This is This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, episode 13 for the week of November 30th through December 6th, roster hunting season. This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball brought to you by fansided.com, where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Phantom has no offseason, and neither do we. Check us out at fansided.com. Coming up in this episode, the rumors continue to swirl as the offseason continues to heat up. Ben Nicholson Smith of MLB TradeRumors.com joins us to break down arbitration trade rumors and possible free agents that could. Lane in Tigertown. December is here. That means the Rule 5 draft is right around the corner. tightstown.com So, Paul Lesnar joins us to discuss the 40-man roster, Winter Leagues, and the upcoming draft. And last but not least, in our panelist section, LB, the Wayne Fonts Experience joins us, as well as Greg Eno, GregEno.com, to talk about the latest great talks surrounding the Detroit Tigers. It's time to strap in your seatbelt, hold on tight, and get ready for the ride. It's been a while, so the road might be bumpy. It's this week in Detroit Tigers baseball, and it starts now.
1: Side ride into left field. This ball is hit
2: well, way back. Luciano will watch it fly. It's gone.
1: For a second, the 1-0. Swinging a fly ball. Wow. Left field is wow. deep.
2: It's way back. The Tigers are going to the World Series.
3: Bringing the best Detroit Tigers bloggers together to talk about our team.
4: Sponsored by MotorCityBingles.com. It's This Week in Detroit Tigers
0: Baseball, and it starts now. Hello and welcome back to another edition of This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. I am your host, Joe Dexter. We'll tell you this much, man, it feels good to be back. Just months after Game 163, the Tigers are reaching a pivotal point in the franchise. After one of the most frustrating seasons that saw the Tigers playoff, hopes continue to slim game by game down the stretch. Tigers management will have some interesting decisions to make starting with arbitration today through the Rule 5 draft and possible trades and free agents in December. It's a hard time for fans as the Detroit Tigers rumors of a fire sale continue to swirl we'd love to hear from you though what your thoughts are on it in this crazy situation if you're concerned with management's decisions this offseason feel free to give us a call on the new this week in Detroit Tigers baseball voicemail hotline 206-309-9454 that's 206-309-9454 We'd love to hear from you. Well, coming up on the return episode of this week in Detroit Tigers baseball, we talked to Paul Wesner of Tigersound.com, the best minor league coverage and analysis of your Detroit Tigers about the Rule Five Draft and winter leagues so far as we head into December. In the panelist discussion, we're joined by two guys who know Detroit sports: L. Beaton of the Wayne Fonts Experience at WayneFonts.com and Greg Eno at GregEno.com, one of, if not the best Detroit sports writers on the internet. We bring you the fans' perspective in the panelist discussion on the current. of the Detroit Tigers, but coming up next, the trade winds are swirling. We are joined by Ben Nicholson-Smith of MLBTraderumors.com to talk about the offseason for the Detroit Tigers. Stay tuned. You're listening to This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, part of the Fansided Network.
3: Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I don't know how to talk like a parent. Don't make me come back there. You see what I mean? It's pretty awful. Try it again. Don't make me come back there. Now, that's pretty good. That one kind of sounded like my dad weird you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent there are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to put up with you call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information a message from the u.s department of health and human services adopt us kids in the ad council you want to join the discussion how about throw down some smack talk
5: join the FanSide forums today at fan slash
4: forums
2: We're proud to be standing there like a house on the side of the road, and we cheer when your Tiger hits it long gone. MotorcityBangles.com, part of the Fansided Network at FanSided.com.
0: The off season is here and rumors are beginning to swirl. The Detroit Tigers management will be facing a lot of decisions in the upcoming months. Now joining us is Ben Nicholson-Smith of MLBTradeRumors.com. Ben, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for your time. Well, first and foremost, this is one of the busy times of the year for the site. So many things are happening in Major League Baseball, whether it be open market, free agency, open trade markets, even the Rule 5 draft. What are what are going to talk, we're going to talk Tigers offseason mostly, but I have to know what is a shift like over at MLB Trade Rumors?
1: Well, we're getting ready for the winter meetings next week, and those are going to be pretty crazy. That's basically the biggest week of the year for us, so Starting a week from today and going for the next four days after that, it's gonna be nonstop. And I mean the winter meetings are, are just crazy for rumors and that's when we're actually gonna to get to see some some big deals go down.
0: Yeah, definitely will be busy in the winter meetings. We saw it last year for our Tigers. Edwin Jackson acquired right away in that. Adam Everett signed and Gerald Laird as well traded. Well, let's talk arbitration. Tonight is the deadline for teams to offer eligible free agents arbitration. The Tigers have three names to ponder in Brandon Lyon, Fernando Rodney, and Placido Polanco. And those are three big names. Let's start with Polanco. It seems the Tigers want nothing to do with getting locked in for a big contract, even if it's just for a year for the second baseman. Do you agree with that assessment that tonight they probably won't offer him a contract?
1: Yeah, you know, I I do agree, and and it seems like a a smart decision, just because if they do offer him arbitration, and he's a type A free agent, then another team is going to have to be willing to give up draft picks to sign Polanco. And he's a good player, but are you really going to want to give up draft picks for Polanco when you, you can go out and sign a Jamie Carroll or Felipe Lopez or Orlando Hudson, some of whom might also cost draft picks, but you know there are going to be other options out there, so it makes sense for the Tigers just to hold back, let Scott Sizemore take over, and then they can they can let Polanco move on and sign somewhere else for a reasonable deal.
0: Do you think that Polanco in the open market is one of the top three second basemen value-wise?
1: Well, you know it depends on whether the Tigers offer arbitration. If they offer arbitration, then that's really going to sink his value, um, and he'll probably have to just accept their offer, but. If, uh, you know, if he doesn't have any drop picks attached to him, then, yeah, he he would be a nice second baseman to add. I mean, I mentioned Felipe Lopez and Orlando Hudson, so he'd be up there with those guys.
0: Other arbitration names include Brandon Lyon and Fernando Rodney. Let's go to Brandon Lyon. It seems the Tigers would offer him arbitration, but he would accept knowing the market for closers. It's an interesting situation for Lyon, who wants to be a closer. Where does he fit in the Tigers if he is part of the 2010 squad, and do you think that he would accept arbitration?
1: You know, I don't think he would. I think he would, he would hit the open market, try to find himself an open, a uh, multi-year deal on the open market. And, uh, you know, his chances might be decent of finding a two-year deal. Wouldn't sign for longer than that, but maybe a two-year deal worth $10 million. A team like the Phillies could be looking for bullpen help. Uh, maybe the Houston Astros, maybe the Orioles. Probably not the Rays. They're probably not willing to spend that much on a closer. But, uh, you know, I think Ryan wants to test the open market, and, and I do expect the Tigers to offer him arbitration.
0: Do you think he has the type of skill to be a closer in the major leagues?
1: Well, I mean, we, we saw him before with Arizona, and he was okay with the Diamondbacks when he closed for them, and, and I think he could do it again. He's never going to be a Joe Nathan, Mariano Rivera-type closer who absolutely shuts people down, but he had a really nice season for the Tigers, and you definitely see guys out there, whether it's you know George Sherrill closing games uh, or, or other guys who are just comparable to, to Brandon Lyons. So I think he could do it, but he's not going to be an elite closer.
0: Well, speaking of closers, Fernando Rodney could be on the market. Successful season. Would probably want a major deal if he did hit the market. Where does he fit in the market? I mean, this seems to be one of the harder, bigger names to figure out this year.
1: Yeah, it is a tough one to figure out because because he has closed for the Tigers as recently as this year, and he had a pretty nice season doing it. So he's another guy who figures to want to test the waters as a free agent and uh, see if he can't rock himself up a multi-year deal as well. And uh, you know, teams, like I said, the Orioles, the uh, Rays, the Phillies could be looking for closers, um, uh, the Astros potentially. So uh, Rodney is one of those guys who, who's probably going to want to test the market, and there should be a decent market for him given that he's coming off a strong season.
0: He hasn't proven in a su- successful string of years together that he can be a complete closer. Do you think that's worrying some teams that might be interested in him?
1: yeah, it probably is, but it's funny how how much of, uh, you know how short team's memories can be with things like this, because you take a guy on the other hand, like Billy Wagner, who has almost 400 saves to his name and this you know incredible track record of success in the major leagues. And yet Billy Wagner is probably going to be in line for a comparable deal to Fernando Rodney, because Rodney is the one who doesn't have the history of success, but he's coming off a good year, and Wagner's the one with this great history and coming off Tommy John surgery in a year in which he only made, 10 15 appearances
0: do you think there's any way this has been talked about in circles in detroit that maybe rodney accepts that arbitration deal that one-year deal to have one more good year and solidify a long year contract
1: well I, i wouldn't be shocked to see it but i don't expect that to happen i think that he and his agent will read the market and and see that uh he can probably get more than than a, a one year deal, and and I would expect them to go after that. But you know, of course, if he if he has another good year with the Tigers and accepts arbitration, well, maybe he hits the market after the 2010 season, and maybe at that point he'd be in a position to get an even bigger deal.
0: Well, let's talk some trade talks. It's been a very interesting offseason so far for Tigers fans. They've been thrown under the bus a little bit when you look at Curtis Granderson trade rumors, Edwin Jackson, and even Miguel Cabrera. There's been some names out there. John Paul Morosi just released an article matching the teams with all three of these players. What are your thoughts? Do you think Miguel Cabrera actually could be traded?
1: Well, he could be, but he would take just an insane amount of talent. uh, And even though he makes a lot of money, he's one of those players who, you know, you're going to have to take on the salary and you're going to have to give up top talent. So, when you think of the teams out there who, A, need a first baseman, B, have top prospects, and C, can afford to pay Miguel Cabrera what he's worth, well, your your suitors are, are, are diminishing quickly. And the Red Sox are the one team that a lot of people point to because they have money, they could potentially shuffle things around and create room at first base, and they have prospects. So there's a matchup there, but th- there's no indication that the teams are talking. There's no indication that the Tigers have to – start a fire sale. So I I would be personally very surprised to see Miguel Cabrera moved in the next month.
0: I'd agree with that assessment. It will be very hard to move him almost as hard as it was for the Tigers to acquire him in two thousand eight. Well, here's some other guys that have been talked about Curtis Granderson, Edwin Jackson. Of these two, now Curtis Granderson, this is a point for the Tigers, I believe. I don't know how you think about this, but he's not gonna peak higher than this power wise. He's very valuable trade wise. This might be a guy that even though fans might not like it, he might have a lot of value if traded.
1: Well, he definitely has a lot of value. And that's that's the key. If- if, if you're going to consider trading Curtis Granderson, you need to get an insane package for him. Because not only is he a center fielder who, who can hit for power and who just destroys right-handers, well, this is a guy who isn't making a ton of money. So when compare that to Cabrera, who is making what he's worth. Grandison makes, I think, $5.5 million next year. So he is, is really underpaid. Um, as far as what you'd have to pay to get someone of his caliber on the free agent market. And if the Tigers do consider trading him, I would expect them to ask the world for Curtis Granderson because you can't go out on the free agent market this year and sign anyone comparable. You can get Marlon Bird maybe. You can get Rick Ankeel. But those guys are not the same caliber of player as Curtis Granderson.
0: Well, Edwin Jackson's name has been swirling. One of the first names swirled in the trade market what what do you expect to get back from a guy like Jackson, a decent pitcher that's shown he's got the stuff, but he's never put together back-to-back good seasons?
1: Well, I, you know, I would expect the Tigers to get something similar. And the one name we saw connected to Jackson in our trade rumor today, this is from John Heyman of Sports Illustrated, was uh, Brandon Morrow, the Seattle Mariners. So you know, there's another uh, another player who is really highly regarded coming up. I believe Morrow was a first-rounder. Um, he's had some success in the major leagues as a reliever and he's he's a guy who a team like the tigers or any other team in the majors might want to gamble on and think that they can be the team to turn him around and really get him started as a dominant pitcher. So it, the tigers are, are, are not going to are, are not going to be asking for an unreasonable amount for for Jackson because like you said he hasn't proven himself for more than really it was it was a one solid season but it was basically half an amazing season and half a so-so season. So they're not in the position to be asking, you know, the same sorts of things that you would ask for Felix Hernandez or Roy Halladay, but they should be able to get something pretty decent for them.
0: Well, there's been a lot of talk about trades. And one question that hasn't been really brought up is if the Tigers could trade two players, say a Granderson or Cabrera combined with an Edwin Jackson, do you see a trade like that happening circa day, kind of like the Dontrell Willis-Miguel Cabrera trade of 2008?
1: You know, when I when I try to fathom even dealing one of Granderson or Cabrera, I, that's that's hard enough to envision because you have to make dollar signs add up and you have to you have to find the prospects that match and fit teams needs. So I think you know, adding another player, whether it's Jackson or I'm sure the Tigers would love to get rid of a salary like Robertson's or Berdantar Willis's, but It's just so hard to make things match up when you're talking about one or two players. So making it a bigger deal, three, four, five, six players, those are blockbusters, and and that takes a whole lot of work, so I wouldn't expect that to happen.
0: Well, finally, before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about the team needs for the Tigers. We talked about second base a little bit. Scott Sizemore seems like the guy that will fill in, but is there any other team needs, maybe shortstop, where you see them not going in-house and maybe looking in the market?
1: Yeah, well, you know, Adam Everett would be a nice candidate to bring back. Just he really solidified the left side of the infield with Brandon Inge last year. So that would be a good fit for for the Tigers. But he'll have his share of suitors, uh, whether it's, you know, the Pirates or potentially the Red Sox. So the the Tigers may have to look to other options, whether it's Felipe Lopez or even a Miguel Tejada, though he's probably too expensive, and Marco Scudero, or some lower-end guys like a Bobby Crosby. So. There are some options out there on the market, but Adam Everett, to me, seems like he would be a pretty good fit for the Tigers.
0: Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Ben Nicholson-Smith of MLBTradeRumors.com. Try and keep saying over the winter meetings, okay?
1: Okay, thanks a lot.
0: Make sure you bookmark MLBTradeRumors.com over the upcoming weeks and throughout the offseason. They are the number one source for trade rumors. When we come back, we'll be joined by our panelists, Greg Eno of GregEno.com, and Wayne Fotz Experience's own Al Beaton. They'll join us to talk about the state of the Tigers. That's coming up on This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball part of the Fan sided Network.
3: Brian turned to glance at the pilot, who suddenly had both hands on his stomach and was grimacing in pain. I don't know, kid. The pilot's words were a hiss barely audible. Bad aches here. Bad aches. He stopped as a fresh spasm of pain hit him. The pilot was having a heart attack. Brian saw the pilot slam into the seat one more time, one more awful time. He slammed back into the seat, and his right leg jerked, pulling the plane to the side. Brian was sitting in a bush plane, roaring seven thousand feet above the northern wilderness, with a pilot who had suffered a massive heart attack and who was either dead or in something close to a coma. He was alone in the roaring plane. He was alone. The plane, committed now to crashing, fell like a stone, and Brian eased back and braced himself for the crash. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Hatchet by Gary Paulson. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov, a message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to This Week in
2: Detroit Tigers Baseball. Here's your host, Joe Dexter.
0: Now, joining us on the panel discussion, two guys that are great at what they do. They know Detroit Sports Talk, Greg Eno of GregEno.com, L Beaton of the Wayne Fonts Experience, WayneFonts.com, and together, collectively, they bring radio to you on the Knee Jerks every Monday at 11 for now, but that will be changing to 9 sometime soon. We'll start with Greg. How's it going?
4: I'm well, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate
0: it, sir. You bet. And Al, how's it going tonight?
2: I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me
0: on. Well, a lot to talk about Tigers-wise. Let's start with the obvious, the big thing that's burning in Tigers' brains, all the trade talk. Uh, I know you guys have s- stated on your show, The Knee Jerks, that you are for trading players as well as as long as you're getting players back and not prospects. We'll start with Greg. Say Miguel Cabrera is traded, which I don't think is going to happen. What will it take in return for you, you as a fan to be happy?
4: Well, I mean, you know, this is a guy that can give you – 40 home runs, 120 RBIs, bat 320. Uh, He's 26 years old. I mean, uh, you know, as as disappointed as I was in him um, in September and uh, certainly at the end of the month with the um, uh, incident, the unfortunate incident with the drinking, I would find it very difficult uh, to trade him uh, because he's just hes one of these few guys in in baseball that can be – just so destructive to the other team. and and, and But if you're asking me what would it take, it would take uh, – I, I would want to plug two or three holes uh, with a trade like that. I mean, obviously you got to get somebody to replace him in the line. His bad – that come close to it. Then you got to get, like, two or three other guys. Not prospects either. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, he's the kind of guy you trade and you get three or four guys of return. I mean, that's the kind of guy he is. And so I, I would be just uh, flabbergasted if they did trade him. But if they did, it would be – Uh, it's almost a trade that you almost can't make uh, and make anybody happy because no matter what you get back, I don't think anybody would say it's enough, (laughs) frankly.
0: I'd agree with that as well. And, Al, one of the things I've thought of as the Miguel Cabrera talks have heated up through the media, maybe this is just a way to create interest in the offseason because not a lot going on, especially when you look at Cabrera, who's been considered the cornerstone of the offense when they went and got him for so much talent in the minor leagues in 2008.
2: Um, yeah, it, it, I think so. Because I, th- I, I actually – I really doubt the Tigers are really contemplating ser- – seriously contemplating trading him. Most everything we've heard regarding Cab- – especially Cabrera – has been nothing but uh, coming from sports writers uh, saying th- – believing uh, that the Tigers are uh, trying to cut payroll, uh, a salary dump sort of thing. And from uh, everything we heard from the Tigers themselves – uh, they may be trying to cut payroll, but not to the point where they're going to trade Miguel Cabrera. I, if anything, they just need to hold the status quo for about another year when they lose a lot of these contracts. So uh, the Cabrera thing, uh, I'm with Eno in that uh, you don't trade him unless you get some like two, three, four legitimate starting major league ball players who can actually play. And even then, I'm having second thoughts because this is the guy who is going to win an MVP sometime in his career, maybe multiple MVPs. So all this trade, all this—it's all BS in my mind when it comes to trading Cabrera.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, and it's something that is. Really interesting that it's brought up. I know that there's the whole thing in October, the whole situation. That might be part of it. The Tigers might be sick of that. Don't think it's able to turn around. But really, Greg, if they do trade Cabrera, say it does happen, isn't that a sign to you that this franchise is in dire straits?
4: Well, one of the worst things you can do after a a disappointing ending to a season uh, as the Tigers had is to overreact and to – go into panic mode um if you're asking me does that mean that they're in dire straits financially um possibly i mean uh they, they even though they did get a not a, a terrible attendance figure last year they still lost a lot of money uh obviously payroll had a lot to do with why they lost a lot of money um it, it would be troublesome it would be a troubling sign sure if they, if they traded him because uh um, you, you come back close to winning a division, and then you trade, like like Al said, uh, a player that could potentially be a multiple MVP person uh, that does smack of, uh, at the very least, panic uh, from a personnel standpoint. Uh, let alone whether or not it would be a panic move financially. But in either instance, uh, it would be a very troubling, um, uh, a very troubling sign if they did that.
0: That's very true. It would be one of those struggles. You would think in the organization something would be wrong, but another guy being talked about. Let's move on to Curtis Granderson, a guy that's loved, and he's been people were frustrated with his play. He he had home run numbers that were spectacular, and I talked to Ben Nicholson Smith of MLBTradeRumors.com saying that his value is not going to be any higher than it is right now. Is that why you think the Tigers have even dipped into trade talks? We'll start with Al.
2: Uh, definitely. If if uh, Curtis Granderson is on the block, as all accounts seem to believe, uh, the reason is that yeah, he's one of the few players on the team that one uh, has a tradable contract, which I think is you have to have before you can do anything else, and two, a player other teams would want. He's the combination. He has that combination of youth, talent, uh, and reasonable contract, where you can trade this guy and get some legitimate players for him, or the very least, some top drawer prospects. But uh, again, uh, every, I, I, Greg and I have gone um, our, our total agreement with this. If you trade someone like Curtis Granderson, you got to have someone who can replace him in center field. You got to get a legitimate, uh, legitimate major league ball players. Because ninety nine times out of hundred, the team that gives up the major league player and gets prospects in return, they lose a the trade. The team that gets the legitimate player wins. All you got to do is look at the Cabrera trade. So, uh, yeah, obviously they're, they want to see what they can get for him, but I really think, considering the uproar the, from the fans that would happen from a uh, Granderson trade, you know, he really is the face of the franchise, uh, they, an offer would really have to blow the Tigers away for them to even think about trading Granderson.
0: Especially considering his affordability. That's why I think he's became so valuable to other teams looking for outfield help, especially maybe in center field. Well, Greg, another guy that could be traded, Edwin Jackson. He struggled last year in the second half. This is, this is a kid that when he pitches well, he pitches well. He has the stuff to be a major league pitcher. Is any of these trade rumors have to do with salary when it comes to Jackson? Or is it? do you think to the fact that they don't think he can succeed at this level consistently like a Justin Verlander?
4: Well, I think that they looked at uh, his performance in the last uh, maybe third of the season, and um, deemed it um, troubling uh, to the extent that uh, maybe they think that uh, he does not have the capacity to, to throw that, that uh, kind of, a, of an inning counter in the course of the season, but I don't think it would be uh, a salary issue. I think it would be a more of a, I'm not sure that this Guy has got it, kind of a thing. But on the other hand, you know, uh, Al and I have talked about this too. You, guys who can throw 200 innings, uh, regardless of, of you know taking away that, the fact that Edwin kind of faltered toward the end. Guys who can give you 200 innings. I mean, you have to you have to look at the fact that whenever you have a guy like that, that's that's one more spot in the rotation where you don't have to potentially use your bullpen as much. And anytime you can you can save bullpen usage. Um, you're in good shape. And, you know, I'm not saying that you, you keep him around just because he throws a lot of innings, regardless of how he performs, but I think that you have to really be careful when you, when you deal a pitcher like that, because there aren't too many... Um, unless you can use him to get some offense in return, I mean, it's usually easier... The, the flip side of that is that it's usually easier to trade pitching and get offense back than it is to trade offense and get pitching back. So if, you, if, you, if the game plan is to maybe get some offense back, which this team needs, then maybe you do take a look at it because you do have Berlander, you do have Pursella, you do have um, uh, Galarraga who might bounce back. You got some other guys, uh, even you know, maybe Bonderman gets healthy next year. You got some guys that could potentially come in and, and, and perform. I'm not saying that that makes Edwin expendable necessarily, but it, it might make him attractive to trade if you can get a, a, a stick back in return.
0: Ellie, you guys have talked about on the knee jerks quite a bit, quite Mm -hmm. some times about uh, pitchers and getting back in return, what you trade for, maybe not prospect-wise, but Major League Ready players. Mm -hmm. When you look at the rumors for Edwin Jackson, Brendan Morrow is one of the pitchers that's been rumored for the Mariners to possibly come into Detroit. It's almost the same situation last year when the Tigers traded for Edwin Jackson. They know they got a guy that's got good stuff. The question is, can the pitching staff bring in – and? Well, maybe help this pitcher better make a, be a better pitcher by working on his stuff. Do you think that if you have a trade like this, Edwin Jackson for Brandon Morrow, is that a trade that you would want to do? Say if you were in the GM shoes. Uh,
2: personally, I'm. Uh, again, I am just not thrilled with Morrow. Obviously, is a is a high high class prospect. You know, he's a uh, he's been talked up as uh, one of the uh, gems of the Mariner system. Again, though, it's uh, one of those things where. As Eno said, you have Jackson. At the very least, you know you're going to get, more than likely, double-digit wins, and you're going to get 200 innings. Uh, I don't even know if they can anticipate getting that from Morrow for maybe a couple years. You know, He's still a young pitcher uh, who doesn't have that much time in the major leagues. Uh, obviously, the Tigers want him because of this huge upside, and, and he fits the mode of a of a Dave Dombrowski pitcher, You know, a guy who can just bring it. and, and uh, But... Again, uh, I'm I, unless it's more for, uh, as as Greg said, bringing in some offense because the Tigers' biggest need isn't really pitching. In that, I, I think what they have, as Greg had mentioned, some guys who could bounce back from injury, along with they have their own prospects in the uh, in a minor league system, like guys like uh, Casey Crosby or someone like that, who could step in and fill in a four or five slot in the rotation. If they're going to trade Jackson, I want to see them get a big stick. That is what the team needs. Uh, A great arm, that's that's all, all wonderful and good, but they need offense, and that's what I want to see if they're going to trade Jackson. Well, let's
0: talk about arbitration. It's going to take place tonight. Final deals, Placido Polanco, Brandon Lyon, and Fernando Rodney all can be offered arbitration. Let's start with Placido Polanco. Not a big stick, but this is a guy proven second baseman, maybe on the decline in his career Many people think that the Tigers won't offer him arbitration, so they can stay away from having to pay him more than they did last year. If he does go to arbitration, Greg, what are your thoughts? You think they should bring him back? Do you think that they're doing the right thing if they don't bring him back?
4: You know, it's, um, he's one of the guys you can probably um, is more has a more readily accessible replacement within the organization, obviously with Scott Sizemore. even you know, Scott. Snapped his ankle uh, in the off season, but you know he's Pol- Polanco is one of the few guys that, that if he walked away, you could probably insert right away somebody within the organization. Obviously, that's getting Sizemore. Um, clearly, that would also be a financial move because you'll be paying Scott Sizemore a whole heck of a lot less than you'd be paying Placido Polanco. Um, I think that uh, I would. I think the Tigers will not offer him arbitration, and I think that uh, thus essentially. Yeah essentially showing their cards that they're not going to pursue him as a free agent either. And in fact, as a matter of fact, I think if they don't offer him arbitration, they're they're forbidden for me being offering him a contract for a certain amount of time, I think the way that Major League rules go. So this would be, uh, to me, surprising if they offered arbitration. Uh, I don't think they want to get into that. It's because there's a chance, frankly, that, that Placido could accept that offer, and then they would have to pay him at least one more year. And if they're looking to trim some payroll, um, and frankly, with all due respect to Posada to Polanco, the offense that they need shouldn't be coming from the second base position anyway. It should be coming from corner outfield, and should be coming from from third base, first base. Those, the, the, you know, the traditional uh, offensive positions. So I think that I would be surprised at arbitration.
0: We'll talk about those positions coming up in just a bit. But, Al, my, my head, my brain says this is the right deal. The Tigers are doing the right thing. But maybe it's just as a Detroit Tigers fan, we've seen what Polanco has done in the past for us. I mean, he came over for a guy that murdered somebody. So <laughs> yeah, when you look at what Polanco's done, your heart maybe says that this is the wrong deal because you want to see him end his career in Detroit. Maybe that's just me. How do you think about that?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's nice to think that way. But – uh Essentially, the Tigers would be paying Polanco for what he's done in the past, and not what he's going to do in the future, and that's what's gotten the Tigers in trouble with guys like uh, Carlos Guillen, uh, who who they paid for. You know, he, he you know had had some great years for them, but now he's got a contract that they really don't want to pay anymore. Uh, even though even if they do upset uh, take him to arbitration, I think uh, it's pretty clear that uh, Polanco is on a decline. No, he's still an above average for. Uh, Above average at the plate, he's still a, a, an excellent fielder, but 34-year-old second baseman, uh, you know that's a uh, that's a big risk because you're going to end up paying him Polanco in the seven, eight, nine million dollar range when they have a, a perfectly acceptable replacement in Sizemore who they can pay under 500K. Uh, that money can go towards again the big bat that they desperately need. So, uh, I, mean, I would. L- I'd love to see him stay. I mean, he, he had some of the best years of his career here, but I think Polanco, this may all be moved anyway, because Polanco may end up uh, getting a two year, two or three year contract from someone else who really needs, he he would be perfect for a team that needs to get, o- needs that one last piece to get over to home. With the Tigers who are kind of in that middle stage where they make be compete, but they may need to tweak and rebuild. You know, the, the, he may nest not fit in anymore. And, uh, It's kind of like, thanks for the memories and enjoy your new contract of your new team. (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's start talking about the other
0: arbitration-eligible players, starting with Brandon Lyon. Here's a guy, he wants to be a closer, he wants a two-year deal, he wants a chance with other teams, but the question is, will he get that chance? There's been many that think that he's going to accept arbitration with the Tigers, or at least take that chance, go one more year, maybe win that closer's job if Fernando Rodney doesn't return to Detroit. What are your thoughts on Lyon, Greg?
4: You know, uh, Brandon obviously was, was one of the best pitchers out of the bullpen, uh, probably from May on. He enjoyed pitching in Detroit. He liked uh, playing for the Tigers. He liked the team. He liked the city. Uh, he liked the organization. Um, and he, he showed me something uh, big time for a guy who doesn't really have a strikeout pitch and a guy who doesn't uh, blow people away. He's able to uh, somehow get the job done, and uh, just like we talked about, Edwin Jackson, those kind of guys not growing on trees. It's, nor do nor do these kind of guys grow on trees. These these six, seventh, eighth inning guys who come in and arguably in in um, much more dire straits uh, than the ninth inning closer comes into in terms of uh, pressure and uh, men on base and things like that. Those kind of guys who are reliable. Now, granted, you know sometimes that doesn't always you know carry over from one year to the next. But he's a veteran guy. He's done it before um i'd like to see him back in detroit whatever they can do to, to, to keep him uh i wouldn't have said that in in, in june or july but uh you know the, the, his performance spoke volumes and he's a good guy to have on the team he's a good locker room guy and so uh i would i would love to see the Tigers somehow make it work financially to bring him back
0: all right greg it's time to put you on the spot though if you have to choose between fernando rodney and brandon lyon which one do you choose
4: well they have they serve kind of different roles obviously i mean even though Brandon's been a closer uh, in the past um uh they're still not i i look at them as two different pitchers because of the roles they they played uh, you know filled with the Tigers last year um you know i i, I this it, it, may surprise you i really think that I would rather have brandon Lyon uh because of his uh his consistency his um uh, ability to do both things. Uh, Fernando Rodney's never really been a setup guy, at least not successfully, at least not for any length of time. Brandon line can kind of do both. He's—I um, uh, just feel more comfortable sometimes with with him. If you if you ask me to pick one over the other, I kind of feel more comfortable with him than I do Fernando Rodney because I'm still not convinced. Fernando Rodney's got to show it to me two or three years in a row to make me think that this is he's up and down, and he had a horrible, he had an OK-06, an OK-07, terrible 08, and OK-09. So it's like, well, what are you going to get with this guy? What, what you know, what, And he just hears, it seems to me he has the potential, Fernando does, of going sideways at any given moment. And I don't get that feeling with Brandon Lyon, so I, I'd have to pick Lyon over Rodney.
0: That is an interesting pick, but we've seen all year, especially starting in 2009, that there's two roads, Rodney, that splits at, in the middle. Some love Rodney, some hate him, some don't know. I always get that roller coaster feeling too. Al, what are your thoughts? You got Rodney that could be the closer in 2010. He could accept arbitration, and then again, he could get a two year deal elsewhere. Who would you rather have closing games for you?
2: I'll, I'll, I'm with Eno. I take Brandon Lyon. Uh, it's not as if uh, Fernando Rodney is this young pitcher as it, as it is. Anyway, Rodney's 32 years old. And he is up down up down. You, you, as Greg said, you're just not not sure what guy's going to show up. He could very easily fall up, go right off the rails. And at least with Rod, I mean with uh, Lyon, you know he's going to throw strikes, which is which just drove me nuts with uh, uh, Jackson. I mean that Jackson, pardon me, but with uh, Rodney last year, and that uh, Rodney would have these 35-40 pitch closes, and that would essentially <laughs> make him useless for the next two three days. <laughs> you know, uh, so, uh, Brandon, I'm 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 totally of Greg on this one. If, if anybody gets offered arbitration out of the out of the out of the bullpen, it's got to be Brandon Lyon again because he's done it longer. He did it. He was awesome last year. He was by far the best pitching uh, pitcher out of the bullpen last year. And if anything, he earned uh, the opportunity to get it get a decent contract because he did take kind of a bit of a cut rate deal to play with Detroit because he had to. Uh, kind of a down year with the um, with the Diamondbacks year before due to the injury. So yeah, I'm I'm totally with Greg Brandon Lyon all the way.
0: Well, before we close arbitration talks, L, would you be willing to give Lyon a two year deal?
2: Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I think I would. I would uh, if I, if you go by his track record, I think you'd be pretty uh, pretty. You'd feel pretty good that you well, you know what you're going to get out of Brandon Lyon. Uh, Say for that half a season he had in um, Arizona. In the, the first month here, uh, he's been a solid, solid relief pitcher. Yeah, I, I, uh, beyond it, obviously, again, it could always backfire because bullpens are the most mercurial thing in baseball. You just don't know from year to year. But with Brandon Lyon, I think you can make a pretty good guess and that he's going to have a, a solid year for you. Yeah, I would, I would not have a problem with the Lions and uh, Lions. There we go. I have Lions on the brain with the Tigers. <laughs> Uh, giving uh, Brandon Lyon a two-year deal. Well, at least we
0: don't watch the New Jersey Nets. We already got one 0-16 team. Well, and the Nets are 0-16 right now. We don't have to put up with that. Well, let's talk about some offensive players. The Tigers have Adam Everett, who's currently a free agent at shortstop. There's some holes that they'll look to fill, it would seem, within the system, especially in the outfield, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's talk about Adam Everett. The rumor out there that he's looking for $3 million. Last year, one million one-year deal from the Tigers. Greg, is Adam Everett a guy that's worth $3 million at shortstop when you might be able to get – a Marco Scudero for that value?
4: No, he's not. Um, you know, as much as I like uh, Adam's uh, attitude, his glove, uh, his work ethic, uh, no. Um, you know, unfortunately uh, for him, I think guys like him are uh, the proverbial dime a dozen. I mean, um, you know, if this team were loaded offensively, if this were a, a powerhouse uh, lineup, then i think say, yeah, maybe uh, you could uh, – you could uh, justify that, but uh, for, for as much as this team struggles to score runs already, uh, you know, I just to, to pay that kind of uh, kind of cash for a guy that uh, is, is going to struggle to hit 230 is is oh, it's only going to drive in 30 or 40 runs a year probably. I, you know, I just, you know, I just I really find that hard to swallow, and in, 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 in the mode the Tigers are in right now, especially uh, financially, I, I just don't see that
5: happening. But really.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't see that happening either. That $3 million, it's getting compared to the Gonzalez con- contract with the Blue Jays where he got 2.75 point seven five for one year. Al, at shortstop, there's a lot of holes. There's a hole without Adam Everett there. Ramon Santiago's working in winter leagues. Here's a guy that's never been thought to be a full-time type shortstop in the Tigers organization. Is there a free agent out there you think that could get, win the job maybe cheaply? Or is there? do you think they go in-house at shortstop and at second base? Uh,
2: the way things are looking, if they don't bring back Everett, I really don't – there really isn't any shortstop, free agent shortstop out there who would bring the combination of uh, reasonable price, halfway decent bat, and a solid glove that, to be honest, Ramon Santiago is. I mean, he is that kind of a player. Uh, for some reason, the Tigers have believed that he can't hold up over uh, over an entire season. Uh, thing is, whenever they have used him, he has played pretty damn well. He, you know, the, uh, obviously it would hurt them depth wise because he can fill in practically, uh You know, at it, uh, uh, second short and third, and he's even played a little bit of outfield in the past. But uh, uh, the way things are looking with free agency and the Tigers. Are, for all, I'm sure for all intents and purposes, they're going to sit out free agency for the most part. Unless they're going to wait for the dust to settle and maybe pick up a few scraps here and there. Uh, right now, I don't see any shortstop that would really interest them, and they may be stuck going with uh, Ramon Santiago. And to be, if you ask me, I think there's. There's worse ways worse ways this could uh, work out than having Ramon Santiago as a shortstop.
0: I would agree with that, and Santiago's a decent guy to have in that hole when you're not looking to add money. And One of the interesting things as well is Jim Leland says Ray, Ryan Rayburn's going to stick in the outfield. He's the fourth outfielder. Well, you're looking for offense, here's a guy that might be able to plug in at second base. We saw how horrible he is at third base, <laughs> yeah. and you probably don't want to play him at shortstop, but... Let's start with you, Greg. I guess we'll talk a little bit about Rayburn. Why not play him at second base?
4: Well, <laughs> I, 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 that's a good question. I mean, uh, I guess I would answer it the same way. I would say, why not play Rayburn at second base? I mean, you know, I mean, uh, obviously it's nice to have a guy like that to play a lot of different positions. Uh, he's not going to play that position as well as Polanco, obviously, because pretty few people can. But... Um, you know, it would solve a problem. Probably, it it, it, it would give them a fallback should scott size more prove not to be ready, or if they decide that uh, Scott's not not uh, an everyday kind of a player. Um, I, you know, hey, uh, there have been a lot of baseball players that have that uh, started out at one position and ended up making a whole lot more money and a whole lot more
3: notoriety at others.
4: Uh, and Robin Young was one of them. Robin Young started out as a shortstop and ended up being a pretty damn good center fielder. So, I mean, guys can change positions; not unusual. Um sure, why not? Actually
0: say go for it. We know that he struggled at third base, like I mentioned. I don't want to ever see him there again, but it just seems like second base would be a good fit that he's played there in the past, and maybe not as a full fill in a spot at that second base, but maybe as a spell to that to that second base. Al, what are your thoughts? you think that we'd fit in well at second base, maybe play some outfield as well?
2: Uh, yeah, but the big question then is then what do you do with Scott Sizemore? So, uh, you know, if you decide to play a uh, Raven in the infield, uh, I think he'll be uh, he'd be just fine, I think, as, the, you know, playing one of the two corner outfield spots. You know, he can play left or right. And is he going to be great? Probably not. But to be honest with you, he's probably going to be better than Carlos Guillen, who, who supposedly is going to be happy, uh, the starting left fielder next year, according to Jim Leland. So uh, considering, uh, you know, Guillen pretty much forced his hand. Yeah. You know, it's nice that he has that versatility Uh, in some ways that kind of makes him a a bit of a kind of a national league player in that way. But with the pop he's shown in his bat, you know, that makes him a perfect candidate for a corner outfield spot. And the Tigers really don't have anybody else right now who is capable of giving him power from that, from that left field position. And uh, other than Carlos Guillen, and he's got to prove otherwise, he's got to prove he can stay healthy and he can, and he can switch hit with the bad shoulder. And, We'll go from there. But yeah, I personally, I prefer to see uh, uh, Ryan Rayburn in left field.
0: Well, guys, one of the interesting positions is the outfield. A lot of young talent. Wilkin Ramirez, Casper Wells is proving himself in winter leagues and play throughout this, the winter. But the question is, and they're not going to bring in money in the outfield, but there's so many clogs in the outfield. We talked about Carlos Guillen a bit. Where do you guys see the young talent fitting in in 2010? We'll start with Greg. Do you think Wilkin Ramirez or Casper Wells can find himself in the lineup?
4: You know, I I think the the key is what they're going to do with left field. I think left field is um, is still to me a question mark. I know they they they're not going to bring Marcus Thames back, and I know that. Jim Leland has said that uh, Ryan Rayburn is going to be the, the fourth outfielder, but you know, I, I don't know what they're really going to do with left field. I think uh Arduinia has kind of s- solidified his position in right field by the way he finished the season. But uh, I, I don't, I don't know that maybe one of those guys might might crack the the uh, opening day roster. I don't know that both of them would. I, I know Wilkins is very fast; he's got a lot of speed, and that that can that can maybe put. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the advantage in his favor, but uh, I, I don't see both of those guys making the team. Maybe, I think maybe one of the other, probably Ramirez, only because he's he's had, he's been up a little bit more than you know, he's had some experience, and he's got a lot of speed.
0: hell, you talk about spring training being so far away, and there's a lot that can happen between now and then, but you would think that at least both these guys are invited to win one of those spots in the outfield, correct?
2: Oh, definitely. Uh, and let's not forget Cleet Thomas as well. He we had a. Uh... You know, he did struggle at times at the, at, with the plate. He did have some big hits for the Tigers, and, and he is solid in the field. So, But, yeah, um, one of those guys, I think, is going to, if someone gets hot in spring training and shows they can hit major league pitching, yeah, I, I would anticipate uh, probably Wells. And let's not for, also forget about Ryan Stribe. Even though he's not played much outfield, uh, I have a feeling that the Tigers may have him pegged for left field, not next year, but in, uh, in, uh, in 2011. So, you know, it is interesting that the Tigers do have a few position prospects, but I think the really the real big boppers, the guys who could really step in and replace uh, Maggie Dornes and Carlos Guillen, are probably still two years out.
0: Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Greg Eno of gregeno.com. L. Beaton, the Wayne Fonts Experience, waynefonts.com, both on the Knee Jerks every Monday night. And I believe it's starting December 14th. You guys will be going at 9 p.m., correct? That's correct. Correct among you. Well, guys, thank you so much. And I guess uh, enjoy the offseason. We'll see what happens, what plays out. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me out again. Always a pleasure. L Beaton of the Wayne Fonts Experience, WayneFonts.com and Greg Eno of GregEno.com. Make sure you join them next week at eleven on Monday for the knee jerks on blogtalkradio.com slash the knee jerks. They'd love to see you in the chat as well. When we come back on this week in Detroit Tigers baseball, we'll be joined by Paul Wesner of tigestown.com to break down the 40 man roster and rule five. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansighted.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out non-stop sports news and views.
1: Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40!
0: Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about
1: practice.
0: Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansighted.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet.
2: They're not growling, they're not biting, heck, they're not even angry, but these young players have a future in the old English D. It's time for Prospects on the prowl on MotorCityBengals.com. Here's Joe Dexter.
0: Now joining us to talk about Prospects on the prowl, we're glad to have him back. One of the minds behind, in my opinion, the best minor league coverage and analysis for the Detroit Tigers, Tigestown.com's own Paul Wesner. Paul, how's the holiday season treating you?
5: Doing well so far.
0: Good. That's good to hear. Well, December is now here. The Tigers have made changes to their 40 man roster to protect some players from the Rule 5 draft that will take place in December. First and foremost, can you explain the Rule 5 draft to the fans out there that might not have a grasp on it, but don't know? They have a grasp on it, but don't know the complete details.
5: Sure. So, the Rule 5 draft, at least the Major League portion, there's actually a Major League and a Minor League portion of the Rule 5 draft. How it works is to kind of expedite some players or really came into play because it wanted to make sure to prevent teams from really stockpiling talent and just keeping it in the minor leagues so that they'd have it really available to them. They have the rule five draft, which is basically an opportunity for other clubs to look at another organization's minor league farm system players, not on the 40 man roster that have reached a certain experience level. Typically it's about four years of minor league experience or three years, depending on, um, you know, when they, became a member of the organization depending on the age level and really give them the opportunity to say, Hey, we've identified this player. We think he's big league caliber. Now this team really just kind of trying to hide him down in the minor league system. And so it gives that, Really, other team, the opportunity to just basically uh, purchase that player for $50,000 and get to bring them into the organization, the key being that they have to stick on the big league roster for the entirety of the season in which they draft them, or they have to be able to offer them back to that um, team that they originally took him from.
0: A lot of names out there like last year, Donald Veal for the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Tigers took Kyle Bloom last year in the Rule 5 draft. Are there any guys you think uh, in the Tigers system that the Tigers might be trying to hide?
5: Well, you know, there's certainly a couple possibilities, and obviously the Tigers made some moves with the 40-man roster to try and protect those guys that they felt like could possibly be targets for other teams, which is why I really think somebody like Adi Sirriaco, who really isn't yet a big-name prospect or hasn't really produced a whole lot down at the minor league level but has a really lot of skills and is now eligible for the Rule 5 draft, I think he's somebody that the Tigers were really looking to protect despite the fact that he's really not a big-league option for 2010. So he's somebody that they certainly look to make a move to protect. One guy that I think you might want to keep an eye on is Scott Drucker. Uh, He had a very productive 2009 season down in Toledo, was really kind of a workhorse for that team moving between the rotation and the bullpen, depending on where somebody needed him. And he had a pretty strong AFL season, wasn't great numbers-wise, but oftentimes very few pitchers really do well numbers-wise down in the AFL just because of the nature of the league. And he's the type of guy that really could be drafted by somebody like you know, a smaller market team like the Pittsburgh Pirates or somebody like that. They could be looking for somebody that can really kind of move between the rotation and the bullpen and really just kind of eat up some innings for them at a cheap rate.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the changes were made with the 40-man roster. Scott Sizemore was a name that was expected to be added. He could possibly be manning second base full-time next season. We also talked about Ryan Striebe plenty of times on this program. Can you tell us about the other two named to the 40-man roster? You already talked a little bit about Suriaco.
5: Yep, so Siriaco, and obviously, as you mentioned, Sizemore has been mentioned plenty. The other guys we're looking at, um, Ryan Striebe and Brennan Bosch. So both those guys are really high-power type players. Both spent the season in A Erie. Um is somebody that actually really kind of picked it up big in 2008 and followed that up with a really strong 2009 campaign. The only thing that's really been hurting him has been a broken hand injury that happened toward the end of 2008 and kind of lingered throughout 2009. Bosch was a third round pick of the Tigers back in 2006 and really had struggling in his first couple of seasons, um, really production wise, numbers wise, as far as, you know, output is concerned, but really started to put it all together this past season, um, really started to crush the ball, show off the type of power that he has. And, The real concern right now with both is just that despite the fact that, you know, his power really took a huge step forward in 2009, that he's still limited in a number of other areas. He's not great defensively, doesn't take a lot of walks, doesn't hit for a great average. But he has that type of power bat that, you know, I don't want to make an exact comparison, but somebody like Marcus Timms could be a very applicable guy, somebody that doesn't do a whole lot of other things very well, but just has a ton of power in that bat and he's somebody that the Tigers really wanted to look to protect.
0: Well, many players at this time of the year are trying to keep their game sharp by playing in various forms of winter leagues. We talked about the Arizona Fall League just a bit, a hitter's league. Casper Wells showed that, lights out at the plate for the second time in his Arizona Fall League career. He hit 351 with more RBIs and games played. But the real talk for me is Andy Oliver. He came in with a lot of talent, no experience in professional baseball yet. What do you think of these two performances?
5: You know, Casper is certainly very encouraging. Obviously, he lost quite a bit of time this past season, suffering the exact same hand injury, actually, that Ryan Striebe suffered. And so he missed pretty much all of spring and didn't come back to play for the Seawolves up until the beginning of June. So really getting him in the AFL was a great opportunity to get him those at-bats that he basically missed by having that hand injury. And he was really able to put a lot of that hitting you know, prowess that he's put on display. The other good thing about Casper is, unlike somebody like, Strebe, who's probably still searching for position, and Bosch, who's really just not a great athlete out in the field. is a very good defensive player. He can play center field very well. He can play the corner outfield as well. So you couple that with the fact that, you know, he can really hit all around, hit for some power and hit for average, and he's somebody that Tigers could potentially be looking to as a potential starting outfielder in the next year or two. Oliver, on the flip side, is somebody that the Tigers really decide to go ahead and try and push a little bit based on the – things that they saw out of him in the fall instructional league, which is really just kind of like a inter-squad wrap-up down in um, Lakeland throughout um, September and the beginning of October. He came – drafted the Tigers in the second round, but got really first-round money. He had that type of potential coming into the season, but really throughout his college campaign, his junior year, really kind of lost his breaking ball, struggled to throw it, and his numbers suffered because of it, and so in turn his draft stock fell. The Tigers went ahead and went out on a little bit of a limb and took him, and since drafting him, they've seen um, him make some progress. He's got both a curveball and a slider that he can work with, and really it's just a matter of trying to – pick out which one they think will be the best one for him and you know they're just bottom line there aren't many left-handed pitchers that can dial it up to 94 95 on the radar gun so he's certainly going to be somebody to watch really quickly that you know just based on the fact that he was able to handle his own in the efl and he's already a college experienced guy could move quickly through the system
0: well paul was there somebody on the 40-man roster that was left off that surprised you a little bit
5: You know, there were quite a few guys that certainly had the possibility of making it on. And, you know, I already mentioned one guy, that, Scott Drucker, that could have possibly been an addition, and there are a few other guys. But ultimately, you know, we've talked about it before, that a lot of the guys that Tigers really have right now, as far as upper-level prospects in the AA, AAA range, Either they're already obviously protected, somebody like Scott Sizemore that was a no-brainer, or they're probably not necessarily of the level that the Tigers are really worried about losing them. So, you know, there are a handful of guys that we've seen, um, you know, in the Double A AA and Triple A levels get mentioned, but the Tigers probably don't necessarily view them as guys that are realistically high probability of either a getting drafted in the Rule Five draft or B, if they do get drafted, the Tigers don't view it as a huge loss because it's somebody that probably doesn't have a really high ceiling.
0: More than 50% of the 40-man roster was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Do you credit that to David Chad?
5: Yeah, I think absolutely David Chad deserves some of the credit for that, as does Dan Dombrowski, and really since he came on board and really kind of shifting the organizational philosophy and really improving the entire scouting department top to bottom. You know, the scouting department under on um, the previous regime, Randy Smith, Um, got some praise, and probably a lot of it was really unnecessarily earned. That organization was really great at um, what I like to call they were great at developing fourth outfielders, utility infielders, and long relievers. So a lot of the guys they drafted didn't necessarily have the ceiling to really emerge as those really go-to type guys, top of the rotation guys. You know, somebody like Matt Wheatland comes to mind as somebody that you draft him, yeah, he looked like a pretty good prospect, but really with only a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, not great, you know, any number of tools, probably was never going to be, you know, a Justin Verlander-type pitcher. And there was really a lot of those types of things where the Tigers were making those kind of draft picks. So I think really Dave Dombrowski bringing in David Chad and Chad really shifting the organizational philosophy and how they were scouting and the types of tools they were looking for really deserves a lot of the credit for that.
0: Well, Paul, before we let you go, we've talked a lot on this show about trade value for the Tigers. It is December, the winter meeting's right around the corner. What is, in your opinion, the weakest position in the system that the Tigers should focus on if they're going to be throwing a prospect here or there?
5: Well, you know, there's certainly some areas where the Tigers are probably more afraid to to make a trade than others. Um, Obviously, we've already seen some things like uh, relief pitching. The Tigers reached in there a little bit this past season to go out and get a guy like um, Aubrey Huff. The trade obviously didn't work out well, but they viewed that as really kind of a position of strength that they could trade from from a depth perspective. I think that's certainly an option right now, but just really given the amount of prospects that the Tigers have traded over the past two to three seasons, there just isn't a ton of really quality depth at any position right now in the farm system. I think some people would make an argument that shortstop is pretty good between Brent Lugich, Kale Orge, uh, Audie Sirriaco, as well as Gustavo Nunez. So that's a potentially strong position. But the thing is, all those guys have question marks that come along with them. So at this point, I think really there's no position where the Tigers are going to say, no, we're set there. We have plenty of guys coming up in the farm system. And there's also no position where the Tigers can say, listen, we're great. We're stocked at this spot. We can trade from here and make a move to get somebody else.
0: Paul Wesner of the best minor league coverage and analysis for the Detroit Tigers. Tigestown.com. Paul, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Joe. When we come back on This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, we'll wrap things up for this episode. Glad to be back. We'll talk about what's going on on the website, MotorCityBengals.com, and how you can become a part of This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball. That's all coming up as we wrap things up on This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, Episode 13 on the Fan Sided Network.
1: There is only one site to get the most timely, insightful college football analysis,
4: Fantasy College Blitz. With a combined 50-plus years of playing Fantasy College Blitz, pioneered the hobby in 1995. Cheat-sheet customizer for specific league setup. Multi-year statistical analysis. Interviews and discussions about the latest trend and news on the Blitz Radio podcast. You want to win your league? Humiliate your friends and take the trophy? It's all about Fantasy College Blitz.
0: Welcome back one last time to This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball, episode 13 on the Fan Sided Network. I am your host, Joe Dexter. Well, first and foremost, I know I've mentioned it in the show already, but it's good to be back. This Week in Detroit Tigers Baseball has been a blast to produce, and it feels good to be back in the saddle at such an important time of the year. But to be quite frank, the best part of the show is hearing from the listeners. I'd love to hear and share your thoughts on the offseason thus far, or when something big happens and you want to get it off your chest, I want you to know we are here. There are numerous ways to join the show, including the new This Week in Detroit Tigers baseball voice line at 206-309-9454. That's 206-309-9454. Drop us a message about the show or the current state of the Tigers or anything that is bugging you about your favorite baseball team. You can also email the show at MotorCityBengals at gmail.com. The show is also on Twitter. Find us at twitter.com slash TWIDTB. I want to thank our guests on the show this week, starting with Ben Nicholson-Smith of MLBTradeRumors.com. If it's whispered, they hear it. You better check out their website, MLBTradeRumors.com. Bookmark it for the next few months. They'll have every single trade rumor and every single free agent signing right there for you as soon as it happens. Also want to thank Al Beaton of the Wayne Fonts Experience and Greg Eno of GregEno.com. Joining us in the panelist discussion, two guys that know Detroit sports, no doubt about it. Check out their work. Again, Al Beaton at WayneFonts.com and Greg at GregEno.com. They come together for a radio show once a week on Monday at 11 till now until the 14th. They'll be starting their show at 9 o'clock. Check that out at blogtalkradio.com slash the jerks every Monday. And finally, last but not least for sure, Paul Wesner of tikestown.com bringing us some in-depth analysis and coverage of the Tigers minor league system. And thank you so much for your input on the Rule 5 draft. I suggest that you get a subscription to tikestown.com. It's definitely worth the analysis. And finally, before we leave you, some news about MotorCityBengals.com. We'll be starting a new show. We'll have details on it. It's called MCB Live, and Motorcity Bengals Live will be taking your calls during the season. We'll start it in the off season as well, so you can get some thoughts off your chest. We'll have details at MotorCityBengals.com when we start the show. Well that's gonna do it for me and this week in Detroit Tigers baseball. This week we'll be back with you next week. Can't wait for it. It's this week in Detroit Tigers Baseball on it the fan sided network. A Have Tiger a great man week.
3: With the Georgia Peach and Wahoo Sam, they won the pennant three years in a row. Then Heilman led the squad, batting titles in years that were odd. Rick Stadium always had a hitting show. I'm talking baseball. Charlie slugging Tiger Baseball.